0: discernment's very, very similar to wisdom, except that discernment for a Christian is really all about seeking to understand the will of God for a given situation. Like I'm, I'm, I'm facing something and I'm trying to discern, I'm trying to determine what the will of God is here, because that's, that's my priority, that's what I care about more than anything. God, like, like what do you think, what's your will in this, in this situation? And so at the core of discernment is this, it's that I, I am faced with a choice and am I going to do my will or am I going to do God's will? That's the core of discernment right there. This is the essence of what it means to really follow God. That's, that's, how, that's, that's how we have to make decisions. We have to be able to weigh like, what is my will and what is God's will? We need to discern between the two and make sure that we are people who are always, always willing to, to follow the will of God over our own will, especially when they conflict. We are in week five of a teaching series uh, called uh, "Becoming Wise," and uh, man, the heart in, behind this series uh, for me has just been to share with you some of the things God's been doing in me lately. Um, just been kind of teaching from that place. Uh, sometimes you teach from from like where you've you, you've already been or where you've uh, what you've uh, you know, kind of kind of mastered and figured out along the way, and then other times, like you, you know, in, in my world, like I, I teach out of. A little bit more vulnerability, a little bit more of like this is me, and maybe I'm only like a day ahead of you on this, right? And or, or maybe I'm like like hardly even ahead of you. I'm, I'm still learning some things, and so there's some stuff God's been teaching me over the last several months, and and I just I just think it might be useful for you too. Um, I've been in a season of needing wisdom. I've been in a season of needing direction, needing God to speak, needing to know. Uh, what he wants uh, for me, what he wants for my family for our church, I mean a number of different things I've been feeling some of the the weight and the pressure of certain decisions that I need to make and, and whatever and and uh, so just been needing wisdom from the Lord and uh, you know I, I think that a lot of us are that way I think I think I think all of us probably could use some increase when it comes to wisdom I don't know that any of us you know should be confident in you know the amount of wisdom we've we've accumulated uh, up until you know this point in our life. I think all of us uh, could, could say, "Hey, I, I could use could use a little extra of that." I mean, think about how much the world has has changed. Think about all the different things going on. Think, think about all the stuff like your kids are dealing with every day, your grandkids. Um, think about I mean j- just all the stuff going on in, in the headlines and the, the way the world has completely changed in just a short amount of time. It's just it's mind boggling and we should probably step back every so often and go, hey, like, where's my wisdom at? Like, like have, has my wisdom kept up with all of the changes? Is, you know, is my wisdom keeping pace with everything going on around me? And so uh, what I want to do today is just, just kind of push into another area along this, this, uh, this path. I, I've been reading through the book of Proverbs quite a bit lately, and um, great book. It's full of wisdom for how to navigate life. And um, so there's some Proverbs that that, uh, have have stood out to me that I want to dive into here in a minute. But what I've been doing recently is I've actually been spending a fair amount of time um, thinking about the difference between people who are really fulfilled in life and those who aren't. I'm thinking a a lot about that, like the difference between the two. Like when I say really fulfilled, I'm talking about those people who have great and meaningful relationships you know, like they're strong financially, they're able to be generous to like the people around them, they they are just really fulfilled, they have very, very meaningful like ministry that they're a part of, that they, that they you know, uh, that their life, you know, contributes and makes a difference, they just really love their life. So I've been thinking about the difference between those who uh, are really fulfilled and then like the rest of the world, you know, uh, like... Those people who are not strong <laughs> relationally, who are maybe fighting to keep their marriage alive, or to keep their kids off drugs, or whatever, whatever the case, just, just, just struggling. Um, and, and and like, what is what is the difference? You know, um, you know, those people who who aren't strong financially don't see how they could be generous, but like they, they'd like to be, you know, and they just don't see how there's any way uh, for them for them to be. You know, the people who who you know, seem to think that there, there, there's got to be more to life, and uh, uh, they just can't seem to find it, you know, maybe there's like a sense of, of of emptiness that they can feel. And so what's the difference, you know, do you think between those who are really fulfilled in life and then the rest of the world, like those who are struggling? So I want I want to kind of define that and jump into that, but I'm going to tell you first what it's not. I wanna tell you first what the difference is not because, because the difference is not what a lot of people think. The difference is not in intelligence, it's not in talent, it's not in appearance. You know, like, like we've all seen smart people who are miserable, right? We've seen talented people who are broke. Uh, people who are incredibly attractive who can't hold a relationship, right? So it's, it's not about those, those kinds of things. So again, what is the difference between those who are really making a difference with their life, who are really fulfilled, and then the rest of the world? And so I would say that it all boils down to one word. It all boils down to, to, to one word. It's this word, decisions. It comes down to decisions. Our decisions are incredibly important. Like, like let, let me just couch it like this. How many of you know someone who completely destroyed their life because of some bad decisions that they made? Anybody? Like, right? All of us? you ever, anybody, you know, um, right? Like, it's a big deal. Like, our, our decisions are incredibly important. And, and oftentimes, I think it is, it is what separates people from, from, from those who are really fulfilled and really thriving and those who are not. It's all about the decisions that they, that they make. In fact, I'd say it like this, that the quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. The quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. Maybe you've heard it said like this, that we make our decisions and then our decisions make us. You ever heard it said like that? And so if, if it is true that your life is, is, is in a sense like moving in the direction of your decisions, then the question to ask is, do you like the direction your decisions are taking you? I, I like what Andy Stanley says, um, I don't have it here, but he says, you know, direction not intention determines your destination. So, you know, we all have good intention, like we all want to end up somewhere good, like, you know, I, I've never married a couple who on, on, at the altar was like, hey, let's just give it a good five years, and then, you know, like, like everybody, everybody has good intentions, everybody wants to re- retire with money, and they want to be married, you know, for 75, 80 years, or whatever the case is, and, and, and yet, like, so many people don't end up where they want to be and it all boils down to the decisions that we're making. And so what I want to say to you today is like, is, is in terms of wisdom, we want to become wise in our decisions, okay? We want to be people who become wise in our decisions. Now, the way this affects me is I don't always know what to do. I I don't always know what to do. Um, in, fact, in fact, I have felt that way, you know, quite a bit. It's, it's actually one of the common or, or consistent or reoccurring comments I've, I've made to my wife recently is just like, I, I don't know what to do. And, and so I, I actually hate this place of, of confusion and uncertainty. I hate it. Anybody else with me on that? I know that I am a leader. I am highly opinionated and I'm usually pretty educated on my opinion, right? So, so I'm someone who more often than not like knows what to do. People come to me for advice because I usually know what they should do. You know, like that's, that's kind of my, my life. And yet I have been in a season of struggling to, to just, to just know, know exactly. I've, I've been like, like weighing, going like, do I go this, this or this? And as it, comes, as it pertains to like myself or my family or the church or whatever, lots of other things. And, and um came across this proverb in Proverbs chapter two that was really, really interesting to me. Um, verse three, Solomon writes and he says, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. And if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. I love, I love this. Like I, if you've ever been in a place of just needing to make a decision or not sure like like which way to go and, and and Solomon makes it clear if you call out for insight if you cry aloud for understanding if you're like God I need to know what your will is I need to know what it is that you want me to do and if you search for it as if it is that hidden treasure if you if if your mind is set like I, I am going to find out what God wants he says he says you will you will understand the fear of the Lord which we talked about last week if you weren't here go back and listen to that message and. And you'll find it. You'll find the knowledge of God. There are things that God knows that you don't know. There are things that God knows that I don't know. like, As I am making decisions, as I am trying to navigate my life and my family, there are things that he has uh, uh, insight on that I, that I do not uh, understand, that are not as clear to me, obviously, as they are to him. And I need to find the knowledge of God. I need to find the knowledge of God. So along these lines, let me just say this, that one of the most important aspects of our lives are the decisions that we make, right? And as followers of Jesus, let me make it clear, God desires that we would make decisions that are in alignment with the will of God. And that's what we wanna do. Every decision we make, like what we decide, you know, or, or don't decide, we, we, we want to make sure that the decisions we make are in alignment with the will of God, God desires that we would do the hard work to, key word, to discern the will of God for our lives. And so today is a message that I believe is for all of us. It spans generations. Um, Whether you're a teenager in here this morning, whether you are retired or somewhere in between, I think this is a message that we all need because we all need to evaluate how we make our decisions. Like, which college should I attend? Or should I work here or there, or should I move into this neighborhood or should I stay where I'm at? Should I homeschool my kids or not? Like, should I get involved in this ministry or not? Like, should I get married or should I stay single? Like, how many children should we have? Should I retire now or should I just keep on going? And then there's some of the more difficult questions of life, like, should I stay or leave? Should I make a commitment or should I break a commitment? Should I let it slide or should I get even? Should I forgive? Should I speak or remain silent? Should I give my opinion or not? Should I spend that kind of money? Should I make that kind of money? Should I pursue this or should I pursue that? So these are, these are the kinds of questions that I think we all wrestle with. They are questions that cause some level of, of anxiety at times, questions that cause distress and can cause confusion. And so I just ask you today, like, what kind of decisions do you need to make? What, what are some decisions on your mind? What are some things that you are processing? Where do you need God's guidance, and where do you need God's wisdom? I like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Obviously, a very, 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 very famous scripture, but it's been hitting me differently. And it says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Isn't that, isn't that good? Like, I if I'm just being real and sharing with you where I have been, like I I am someone who struggles to do this. I really, like I, man, I, I am a pastor and have been for nearly 20 years. I struggle to trust God with all of my heart. Like I, in other words, I struggle to live by faith. Like I, I struggle to live by faith. I always see the mountain in the way, or the giant in the way, and I'm always just like I tend to be more focused on that. I can I can tend to be a little bit more pessimistic than optimistic, and so I, I'm like I just don't see a way around this, and and I, and I struggle to trust God with all of my heart. I'm usually good at trusting Him with some of my heart. I'm usually pretty, but I but but I'm but I'm usually pretty good at like hedging, you know, like like trying trying to 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 just sort of have have an out in case God really doesn't come through, and and so you know Solomon writes and he says hey trust in the lord with all of your heart and then here's the other part I struggle with it says and lean not on your own understanding right i i can't tell you the number of times where i have just done the exact opposite of what of what he is telling us to do here. I just have leaned so heavily on my own understanding. Again, I'm a leader. I'm highly opinionated. I'm educated usually in my opinion. I think I'm right. I'm confident a lot of times in in what I have what, what I believe and, and things like that. And and I and I I I tend to not, and not not intentionally usually but I, I can tend to kind of kind of move heavily towards a place of like leaning hard into my own understanding. He goes on in verse six, says, in all your ways acknowledge him. That's a huge thing there. In all all of your, again, it's all. It's not some, all of your, think about all your ways. And think about acknowledging God in all of your ways. And he will make your path straight. And so I've just needed that, right? Like I needed like the paths to be straight. I've needed clarity. Like, okay, God, so, so this is kind of the, 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 the model. This is sort of the formula here. I'm going to trust the Lord with all my heart, lean out on my under, understanding, and all my ways I'm going to acknowledge him. And, and that is the formula for producing, like, like paths that are, that are not crooked, paths that are straight. And so what I've learned as a pastor for, like, like I said, you know, almost a couple decades, but really just more as a human being, right? Like, like it's true that as a pastor you get an up-close up View at at people's lives and their decision making, good or bad. But just as a human being in my own life, I've learned that most people aren't very good at making good decisions. I I think most people lean heavily upon their own understanding, failing to search for the wisdom that is offered, like we read about in Proverbs two. Like you think, if you think about it, you know most of us, most of us like want to eat right but then we decide to eat more than we should. You know, most of us like wanna be wise with our money and then we decide to buy things that we can't afford. We wanna be wise with our words, but then we decide to say things that we later regret or immediately regret. We wanna do the right thing, but then we make decisions to do the wrong thing. We wanna love the people around us, but then unfortunately, sometimes our decisions end up hurting the people that we love the most. Like we wanna be good decision makers, but the problem is, that most of us aren't good when it comes to making good decisions. And so here's a couple things I've been realizing about myself, and then I'm going to kind of help you figure out how to make good decisions with your life. But I've been learning a couple things about myself, is, is that so many of the, of the decisions that I make are highly reactive. I don't, I don't know if any of you can, can relate to that. I hope I'm not alone in this. I'm just kind of being real. <laughs> uh, but most of the decisions that I make are highly reactive. Like, Um, not always, like, 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 I I think the problem with this is that I'm usually pretty level-headed. It's when emotions are high, like, I'm highly reactive, and so oftentimes I can justify it, well, because this happens, I end up doing this, like, I'm reacting to what happened, and truthfully, I don't always do a good job of making good decisions when my emotions are high, when I'm tired, when I'm, when I'm also entertaining some, like, toxic and unhelpful thoughts, like, it's just not, not good, and so, what, what, I, what I've been having to do is kind of just, just step back and, and say, okay, like, like this isn't helpful, this isn't good, like to make decisions that are reactive. And so I've had to kind of make an agreement with myself, an agreement with the Lord that my decisions won't be based on emotions in the moment, but on the values that God has placed in my heart, on the values that God has placed in my heart. and The second thing um, that I've been learning about myself, realizing more and more about myself is that I have at times at times used disappointments and trauma to justify disobedience. I don't know if you have that up there or not, but I have at times used, used disappointments and trauma to justify disobedience. Like like we could sit down and I could tell you about the last you know six years or so of my life, seven years of my life, and there's a lot of disappointment. I mean, if, if you've been tracking my life closely, like I can just I can go through chapter after chapter after chapter of disappointment after disappointment. There's been a lot. In, in our life, a lot of hard stuff, a lot of things that you're like, I don't think that's normal to go through that much in that short amount of time, just traumatic stuff, and, and what, I have, what I've seen in myself is that I have used these disappointments, these setbacks, th- the, the pain or the trauma to justify just dis- disobedience. I'm like, well, well, like, yeah, I know it's probably not okay, I know, I know that God probably doesn't prefer that, but look, like, do you know what I've been through? Do you know what I've experienced? Like, and I can, I can kind of elevate my experiences to, to, to a level of, of, of like justifying living and thinking and doing things that are not helpful and not right and, and uh, that, that I'm sure God's really, truly not okay with. I think we all probably do this more than we think we do. And and so you know, in, in terms of like victim mindset and, and just and just thinking like like man, you know, like like going down that 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 path that's like it's like a freight train in my in my mind of just kind of living in, in some negativity and then and then just like sin, you know, like it's just not that big a deal. It's like it's fine, like I'm doing more than most, I'm like I'm a pastor, like you know, whatever. Like being okay with with like certain things and it's understandable, given what I've what I've been through. And so, what I'm learning right now to do is is to predecide my decisions as best as I can. You can't do that for everything because you can't always anticipate what you're going to face. But there's there's a there's there's something really good at predeciding your decisions. And so, for instance, like like one of the things is is not allowing unhealthy thoughts to build up steam in my mind. And so, replacing them as soon as I recognize them. Replacing them within 30 seconds of them entering my mind, so that I'm pre-deciding like I'm not going to go there. There's there's actually certain topics right now that I'm not willing to go very far into, like, I, I'm like, ah, that's, that's like, that's like a topic I can't, it's just not healthy for me. And I was at dinner with my parents earlier this week and, and uh, they started talking about something and I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to go there. Like, that's not really helpful for me. And so I just kind of cut it off quickly because I knew that if I let myself stay there, it would take me down like a path of like negativity. So I'm trying to recognize these thoughts within 30 seconds and going, eh, I'm, I'm getting, I need to jump tracks fast. So, um, like I'm not going to be drawn into conversations that are not helpful not, and 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 or, or healthy for me in any way. I remember uh, talking to uh, uh, teenagers about this when I was a youth pastor. Uh, uh, I talked to them about the, the importance of like predeciding. I, I used to say to these to these guys, I'd say, yeah, like like you probably don't want to wait until you're in the back seat of a car with, like, your girlfriend to decide that, like, you want to honor God with your body and your sexuality. That's probably not the place to make the decision. You want to probably want to pre-decide that. If probably want to decide, like, over here, and then, and then all you're doing is, like, managing that decision, like, going forward, right? And so learning to pre-decide is really, really, really important. And what I'm learning more in realizing is that I have a, a big need to grow in, in the area of discernment. I hope, I hope, I hope, I'm not the only one, but Proverbs three twenty one. Solomon goes on and he says this. He says, my son, preserve sound judgment or keep alive sound judgment. Don't let this die. He says, my son, preserve sound judgment and, and discernment. And do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble, preserve them, keep them alive, keep alive sound judgment, keep alive discernment. And so if, if you're not sure what discernment is, let me just explain it to you like this. Discernment is proficiency in choosing the right paths when life is complex, okay? Proficiency in choosing the right paths when life is complex to distinguish between things, right? So, so you're kind of, kind of weighing out the, the options and then to separate things according to vari- their various natures. And so and discernment's very, very similar to wisdom, except that discernment for a Christian is really all about seeking to understand the will of God for a given situation. Like I'm, I'm, I'm facing something and I'm trying to discern, I'm trying to determine what the will of God is here because that's, that's my priority. That's what I care about more than anything. God, like, like what do you think, what's your will in this, in this situation? And so at the core of discernment is this, it's that I, I am faced with a choice and am I going to do my will or am I going to do God's will? That's the core of discernment right there. What am I going to do? And the hope is that there is an alignment that happens between my will and and or my will and God's will. That there, there, there is an alignment. There's a coming together of my will with, with God's will. It's, it's uh, like the classic example in Luke 22 where we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever and he's praying and, and you know sweating drops of blood. I don't know if you, you ever kind of put it in these words, but you think about like the the um, the intense levels of anxiety that Jesus is feeling in that moment to be to be uh, you know he's not just like oh it's it's gonna be okay like like I'm God and, and I'm gonna no like he I mean think about how wound he is think about how 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 uh, I mean in some ways terrified uh, he he is asking the Father to 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 come up with another plan Jesus. Your, like your Jesus, right? Who who went to the cross for you and for me? Like like he was looking to see if there was another option in the eleventh hour. Is there something else we can do here? Can we like rewrite the script? The God of the universe was like, I don't know. Maybe we should rethink this. You know, like and and so. He says that he prays to his father in Luke twenty two forty two. He says, "He says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. If you're willing, could you just could you just let me let me not do this?" And then he says, "Nevertheless, or or yet, not my will, but yours be done." This is the essence of what it means to really follow God, and that's that's how that's that's how we have to make decisions. We have to be able to weigh like what is my will and what is God's. will. we need to discern between the two. And make sure that we are people who are always, always willing to, to follow the will of God over our own will, especially when they conflict. I mean, that's, that's probably good preaching. I don't know if anybody, yet, yeah, right? Like, okay, so I don't know. Um, sometimes I just feel a little lonely up here. So a little amen every once in a while might help. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. This is, this is key. this is key like like whatever I do in life like this this is my, my approach like I, I'm committing it to the Lord like like it's, it's it's okay God like 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 what what do you think here like what are your thoughts and your ideas like every aspect of my life I'm committing it to the Lord and you find that Solomon says your plans will succeed. Now just to be clear when I'm talking about discernment, I'm not talking about trying to discern between basic good and evil, okay? We're not talking about basic right and wrong here. Like, like for instance, we're not trying to discern whether or not we should steal something or not. Like, we know, we already know, right? Like, it's not good to, to steal. So there are three qualities of discernment we wanna keep in mind, okay? To, you know, uh, when we are trying to, to discern something, uh, let me just give them to you. So when we're discerning, okay, to, to be discerning something all options before us seem to be good or bad, okay? So, so you can have like two really good options. It's like, well, these are both good paths or these are both good jobs or whatever the case, and I just don't know what to do. And so you're trying to discern between two good options or you're like, man, these are both bad. Like, you know, like I don't know who to vote for. You know, like it's bad. Like, I don't know. And so you're going like, like, like how do I discern between two bad situations. And so uh, this is where you're not sure to go. There's not a clear or obvious choice. When there's not a clear or obvious choice, this is where discernment has to kick in. The second thing is when we're discerning, it's, it's a choice of some significance. So it's not just like, should I drink coffee or tea today? Right? It's, is there some significance to this decision? And then third, when we're discerning, we're free to choose either option. Like, like, so what I mean by that is, is that if my kids came up to me one morning and said, hey, dad, I'm, I'm, I, am, I am trying to discern whether or not I should go to school today. You know, I, I would say, well, I appreciate the fact that, like, you were trying to grow in your discernment. The problem is, is that you're not free to choose, right? You are not free to choose. And so this is how, like, discernment has to flow. Like, like where all options before you are either good or they're bad. Like, you're just, you're just not sure which way to go. It's a choice of some level of significance. It's a big deal. Like, like, it could be life-changing, um, but, it, but it's at least, like, significant. And then, uh, thirdly, like, you're actually free to make the choice. Uh, you're, you're free, you're free to, to decide. And so I think that we tend to make decisions one of three ways. And maybe you find yourself in this category. Number one is we tend to make decisions where we are always discerning but never deciding. Some people are like this, um, so we're afraid of making the wrong choice, and so we're like, I just don't know. I'm trying, I'm trying to like, trying to get it right. Trying to hear from the Lord. Trying to discern the will of God here. Uh, uh, like we know how to delay a decision. Uh, like we think about all the different aspects. It's paralysis by analysis. It's like, you know, I'm kind of, kind of just, just stuck. I don't know what to do. Don't know how to decide. We struggle to make a decision because all we're doing is just discerning. We're not deciding. I, I, I just give you a little, a little. Uh, glimpse into like ministry and, and pastoring in churches. Like sometimes you know we will walk up to people or, or call them and, and try to get them to to serve in in, in certain areas in the church. And uh, one of the classic responses over the years in multiple churches, so it's not just our church, right? But is is you have people who are like, yeah, let me. Why don't I just take some time to pray about that and I'll get I'll get back to you, right? Um. So this is basically the polite way of saying no. I want you, to, all right? The polite way of saying no. Um, but since we don't like awkward conversations, the, uh, people like to delay uh, the inevitable uh, no by saying, "Hey, I'm just gonna, gonna pray about it." So uh, if I ever tell you that, you're like, "Hey, let's get dinner. I'm gonna pray about it." Like, I'm, it's you know what's gonna happen. It's gonna, hey, sorry, I got a conflict. You know. Um, but this, this is what a lot of people do. Like, they're always discerning. They're never deciding. They're like, it's, it's, it's in essence, like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm praying about it. I got to decide. I got to hear what, hear what God really has for me. The other way, uh, I think a lot of us make decisions, is, is really the, uh, the opposite. It's on the other end. It's where we are always deciding, but we're never discerning. That's key. It's where we let our emotions decide, uh, where we let our emotions overrule logic and reason and wisdom is where we're so impulsive, we're so reactionary, we don't think things through, we tend to get caught up in the moment, we tend to get anxious, and we shoot from the hip. Um, we don't measure twice and cut once, right? We, we, uh, we just cut, like that's, I don't know, is that right? Am I using that right? I'm not really like a guy who uses saws, but I think I use that right. Um, I did that okay, Tim, thanks. Uh, yeah. Some of us uh, Some of us are always deciding, but we're never discerning. Like, we're going, like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. Like, uh, so, so, so many of us, when we pray, like, our prayers are for God to bless what we've already decided to do. There's, like, no room for the Lord to, like, change our mind and to, like, like, like we can't even, like, think that he might have something different for us to do here. And, and we're just, like, God bless what I, how I want to live my life. And, uh, and so a lot of times we are deciding, like, like we are always uh, deciding we're never discerning. The third option here, uh, and really where we, I think, all want to be is we want to be deciding from a place of discernment from a place of seeking to determine the will of God for my life in this situation. And this is, this is where we want to be. We want to be making decisions about our lives out of a place of prayerful discernment. And the reason why this is important, if you're taking notes, is because when we are in God's will, I believe that we are in the best place we can be. Like God is, he's good, he's gracious, he's a good father, he's kind. All the things we sung about already today, so, like, if you find yourself outside of the will of God, he's not going to shoot you and eat you, right? Like, he, he's a good father. But, but the, the best place for us to be is in the will of God. And, and, you know, as Christians, like, we want to be there. We want to do the work to discern what it is that God really wants us to do. Like, 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 to not just be so flippant with our decision-making that, that, that like, we're like, well, I don't know, like, like, God will clean it up, you know, if, 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 I, if I screw it up. No, 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 like, take, take the time. Take it seriously. We have to believe that when we're in God's will, we're in the best place we can be. Proverbs 19, 21 says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. The Lord's purpose that prevails. And this is like who I want to be, Right? Like, I got all these different ideas, all these different plans, all these different things, things I could do or, or, or you know, whatever. But, but like, I want the Lord's plans to prevail, right? right? I want the Lord's purpose to prevail. Like, this is where we want to be. And so we, we we chase after the will of God. We seek to discern the will of God. We, we, we want to know God's thoughts on on, on on a given situation, you know, like, um. We don't just rest in our own ability and in our own logic and in our own strengths and talents. We understand where we come up short, like like woefully short, and where he makes up all the difference. And so uh, I'm going to give you just a few things here uh, in terms of of how we can discern God's will, Um, and I think it might be helpful for you. These are things that um, uh, are helpful for me. And so how can I discern or determine God's will? Four quick things. Um, Number one is uh, due diligence. You can click to that next slide, uh, due diligence. So honestly, like when you're faced with making a decision, like you gotta do some due diligence, right? So if you're gonna buy a house, uh, probably not best practice to buy it sight unseen, right? You wanna do some, 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 uh, some due diligence on it and you wanna take some time to understand the market. Uh, you wanna know the expenses, your budget, like what you can afford, what, you know, whatever. Like there's some due diligence. There's some research that you do, like, and this could be, like, a number of other types of decisions you make, but you kind of want to investigate a little bit. You want to kind of go, okay, like, like, what are the pros and the cons? Like, like what am I really, like, trying to decide between? And then secondly, like, like what you want to do is you want to seek counsel from people who are further along than you, okay? So, you want to, you, you know, you want to seek counsel from people who are either who you want to be or are where you want to go, okay? That's, it's really important, like, um, good counsel, right counsel is is what you need. I, I've, I've learned that an abundance of opinions oftentimes leads to confusion, but an abundance of counsel leads to wisdom. It's what, it's what Solomon writes in, in Proverbs 15, 22, where he says, without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. And so we go to the people who can give godly counsel. Like this is where you humble yourself and you realize that there are people who have traveled the road longer than you, and have wisdom that can help you. Um, and so, what I would say is, you got to be careful uh, to not just look for many opinions. You want to look for godly counsel. Like there, there's a lot of people you can go to. Like you know, a lot of times our anxiety causes us to just sort of talk out loud about about like what is on our mind right now. And so we we want to just we don't know what to do, and we got all these all these things. And so it's like, well, I'm going to talk to you, and then I'm going to talk to you, and then I'm gonna, And so so often we can we can just have an abundance of opinions. And really, lack getting godly counsel. Too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Like it's it's difficult. So, look at this thought. One of the primary ways for us to know God's will, I think, is by determining the people who have wisdom from the ones who only have opinions. And that's a huge difference. Huge difference. I want you to uh, maybe show that slide again of all the four all four options, uh, if if you don't mind. So. So number one and number two, right? Due diligence, seek counsel from people who are further along than you. Now, the reason why I, I'm giving you this list is because more often than I want to admit, this is where I stop. Like more often than, than than I want to admit, it's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna like evaluate. I'm gonna be like diligent. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna use like you know. Uh, Whatever wisdom I do have, a lot of my own understanding. I'm going to evaluate the situation, and then and then I'm going to like talk to people. And you know, I, I tend to be like an internal and then an external processor. So I'm like, hey, what do you think? And what do you think? And what do you think? And and I'm like, okay, well, I got consensus, sort of. I got, I, I, or at least I I have like this is what the majority of people think. I'm going to rely on their wisdom. And this is a lot of times where I I, I stop myself in the process. Like it's it's a little bit embarrassing, but it, but it's just just me being honest. Like like oftentimes I, I will not move into into. Right, oftentimes I have not moved into step three and four in terms of making a good decision with my life. Um, number three is, is you want to quiet and you want to still yourself before God. So you're trying to discern the will of God. you got to quiet and you want to still yourself before God. I think this is perhaps the most important step because what can often happen is is when we're making big decisions, those decisions can start to feel like they're bigger than God. Have you ever you ever? I mean, maybe you don't put it in those words, but you're like, this is huge. It's so big. Like, we magnify the decision or the situation so big that it's like difficult to see God. We like, can't get our, 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 our eyes around the situation to see really how big God is. We magnify that instead of magnifying God. It starts to consume our lives. Psalm 46.10, David writes, he says, be still. Know that I am God, right? Be still and know that I am God. It's so important when you're navigating a big decision to get still before God and to live in that awareness that God is bigger than whatever decision you're facing. And it requires a setting aside time for stillness because stillness is really, it's really ultimately surrender. Like I'm, I'm coming before the Lord and I'm going like, all right, like fine. Like, like, like I'm I'm, sti- I'm I'm becoming still like I'm, I'm quieting all the distractions i'm surrendering myself to the Lord. I want you to see this thought stillness puts you in a place of neutral where you can hear God speak. so what I mean by this is like like obviously when you're when you're driving a car, like neutral allows you to, to if, if someone's going to push you like you can, they could push you forward or backwards like it doesn't really. Matter. It's all based on on which direction you're getting pushed in. Your vehicle can can go either direction. And when I'm neutral with the Lord in times of prayer, when I'm still before God, then I'm I'm, I'm okay with whichever direction God wants me to go but I'm still before him and my heart is neutral. It says, God, whatever you want, however you want to use my life, it does not matter. Like, I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do. Like, my my heart is neutral on this, meaning I have not already made up my mind and and just determined that that I'm gonna try to get you to bless what I wanna do. I gotta keep my heart neutral before the Lord. As, as, As a godly man, as a godly woman, we gotta keep our heart neutral before the Lord that he can spend our life however he wants, that it's not ours anyway, that I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, that he can do anything he wants with my life. And again, many are the plans in a man's heart, Proverbs 19, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. It's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I wanna quiet and I wanna still myself before the Lord. I wanna be still and know that he is God. I wanna keep my heart neutral I don't wanna predetermine what I'm already gonna do. Like, like, I've already made up my mind, now God just bless me. Like, like that's not how it works. Like, I'm, I'm short circuiting the process. I'm, I'm, I'm cutting corners. I'm not doing the hard work to discern the will of God. And that's what he wants because that's where we find him in the stillness. That's where we find him when we, when we humble ourselves before him in his presence. When we find God there, he wants that time with us. He wants to reveal to us in those moments his heart for us and the direction he wants us to go in. And then the fourth thing, I think, that in terms of, of uh, trying to discern and determine the will of God is, is that you know, we want to follow the peace that transcends understanding. We want to follow the peace. Peace is a really big deal for how God leads us. Philippians 4 6 and 7, the apostle Paul writes, and he says very clearly, he says, do not be anxious about anything. I've always, like, struggled with that verse because it feels just so flippant. Like, don't be anxious about any, anything. Like, for somebody who gets anxious, like, like what do you mean, any, anything? And you can think, like, man, what does he know? And yet he's writing this from prison. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, that's key, present your requests to God, and, the, and then he says, in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what Paul's doing here is, he is he's, he's, he's describing an exchange of control. He's, he's basically saying this, like, we don't get to keep our worries, fears, and anxieties and still get Peace. And so like you can you can keep your worries your fears and your anxieties if you want you just you just you just don't find peace that way so he's, what he's saying is, like, if you're willing to kind of to hand these things over, there's, there's a transaction that'll happen, like, like, that God will replace your worries and your fears and your anxieties with a peace that transcends understanding, meaning your circumstance doesn't just change. Like, Paul just didn't, didn't get out of prison that night. Like, like, your circumstance hasn't improved, but your peace has, because there is a supernatural peace that God gives us that, that does not make sense to the rest of the world. There, there are... There are are people literally like who could be going through the same exact high intense situation. One person doesn't know the peace of God and the other person does and they're they're experiencing the same situation entirely differently because the peace of God, it transcends understanding. It does not make sense. And it says he'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so we have to relinquish our worries, our fears and our anxieties, which quite frankly compromise our ability to make good decisions anyway, don't they? Like, nobody makes good decisions when they're anxious. I don't, I don't know. I, like, nobody makes good decisions when they are worried, when they are stressed, when they're full of fear. Like, it's not a great place to make decisions. And when we give those things to God in exchange, what Paul's saying here is that, is that he gives us his peace, which allows us to have the clarity of mind to make whatever decision we need to make for whatever, whatever situation we find ourselves in. I mean, think about it. How many of you would love to go to bed in peace and wake up in peace? Anybody? I love Isaiah 26.3. It says, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Another Other translations say him whose mind has stayed on you. Like it, has, it hasn't moved, it hasn't drifted. Like you'll, you'll keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast. So the promise is this from the, from the scripture is that as long as my mind is steadfast and stayed on God, he will keep me in perfect peace because I trust in him. This is the promise. I like what Gregory of uh, Nanzianza says. He's an he's a early church father. He says, in God's will is our peace. That's why it matters. Like, you can make, a, you can make, you can make wrong decisions, and, and like I said, he's not gonna shoot you and eat you. He's not gonna, like, kick you out the door. But, but you, you may compromise your peace making decisions that, that, that are not good for you, making decisions that, that, uh, that God does not want you to make, stepping out from underneath the grace of God, what can happen is, is you, you sacrifice your peace in the process. And this is why it's so critical that when we make these decisions, that we are looking to discern the will of God. As followers of Jesus, we're invited to do, to do God's will, to do God's will and then to find peace there. And then and then just just a few more things and I'm and I'm gonna be done. And um uh and, and he, yeah. Um here's this it, it's always a bad idea to try to find answers to big questions when there's been a breakdown in your intimacy with God. Okay. It's really, really big deal. So I mean I don't know, I don't know what your experience is with this and I don't know if, if you're someone who has who has typically like walked close with God or not maybe there hasn't really been times of like great intimacy with God um, but there should be and this is what we fight for and this is what we have been um, this is what Jesus went to the cross for this is why Hebrews tells us we can approach the throne of grace with confidence we can come into the throne room of God like we are we are I mean this is this is what he bled and died for was so that we could have intimacy with the father like and so and so I just wanna say, I think it's, it's a bad idea to try to find answers to big questions when there's been a breakdown in your intimacy with God. So if you're not walking closely with the Lord right now, but you got a big decision, like, like step back and fix intimacy with God first before you move forward and try to make any sort of decision with your life. You, you gotta have that right before you do anything else. Like Romans 8, Paul tells us about the kind of relationship we're intended to have. He says, but those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. This for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. So this is the kind of intimacy, the kind of relationship. Like, like we are no longer like, like slaves. We are sons and daughters. We've been, we've been adopted. We've been given the spirit of sonship. And now we have this, this like, like father-son, father-daughter relationship. We're meant to like walk in that. And from that place of intimacy, the Spirit of God leads us. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, sons and daughters of God, those who are led by him. And when the Spirit testifies with our spirit, I think that there is a peaceful feeling that we will get. And what I've just learned, you know, and, and I think probably a lot of you have as well, is that when we're searching for answers to big questions, it seems to me like the primary way that God leads us to navigate these decisions is through, like, a feeling of peace. You know, like, do I have peace or do I not? Like, like they, it's one of the primary ways the Spirit of God works in us. It's like, it's like, do I feel like, yeah, this is God? Do I have peace about that or, or not? And Colossians 3 15. this is, a, this is a, a two scriptures that have been exceptionally meaningful to me uh, in the last couple months. And I, ho- I hope they are to you too. Um, but Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God, I want to break this down, and then we'll be out. Okay, so Paul says, "Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts." So that word "rule" really it really means um, uh, like, like, like that. The picture you could get in your mind is like that of like an umpire, like like who's, who's, who's uh, uh, like at a baseball game. So think of peace as an umpire. is what, is what he's saying? Let the peace of Christ umpire in your hearts, call the balls and the strikes. Let it make the decisions. Let the peace of Christ make the decisions, right? It's, it's what it's really saying here. Um, you know, the umpire is the one who calls a batter uh, like, like safe uh, or out, uh, a runner, safe or out. Like, so some of the definitions of, of, of an umpire are like one who makes decisions, one who settles disputes, a judge, a moderator, an assessor. So it's this picture that like the peace of Christ is ruling, it's umping my life. It's umpiring my life. It is, it, is the, it is making the decisions. When I have the peace of Christ ruling in my heart, it, it's what allows me to make good decisions. It's what settles disputes. It's, 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 it's the judge on the situation. It's the moderator. It's the one that helps me assess the situation properly. And so he's saying, let the peace of Christ rule continually in your hearts as an umpire, not just, not just once, right? Continually, like this constant state I think that one of the primary ways that we are to be led as sons and daughters is through this constant peace. And so, do I have peace or not? I'm, I'm, I'm not like, like there, there, have been, there have been times in my life where, like, Lindsay and I, like we've made decisions that don't necessarily make sense other than we just have peace. Like, so it's not just like about logic. Like, oftentimes the peace of God will take you down a path that, like, you normally would not travel on your own or, 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 with, or with, with like natural like ability and logic or advice from other people, just purely outside counsel, there are times where the peace of God actually takes you down an unconventional path. You're like, I don't know. We don't know why we're doing this, doing this other than we just have the peace of God. That's why it's so important to discern the will of God, to know what he has to say. Paul says we are called to peace. So this is part of our inheritance. Like we get this as sons and daughters. We get this peace. Um, we get to live this way. Um, if you're taking notes, one of the primary things that should set us apart is that we live with this unshakable peace that's not determined by what's just going on around us. It's not based on like circumstance. It's based on what exists in, internally in us. It's the joy of the Lord. Um, the other thing out of the scripture, so so. Proverbs three fifteen and sixteen says, "Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you're called to peace." But then he says this very, like he almost like sneaks it in there. He says, "And be thankful." So Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, and be thankful. And and I just I just want to say this. I, th- I think that that's intentional. I don't think it's just like snuck in. I think it's, it's if you're if you're na- if you're navigating a, a big decision in your life, and you're not doing it from this place of thankfulness, from a place of gratitude where you're remembering God's faithfulness and, and God's goodness over your life, all the, all the times where he's come through for you, it, it's, it's really, really, really hard to have a clear mind in that moment. It's really hard to make a, de- a good decision if it's not from this place of thankfulness and gratitude before the Lord. Because truly, like all of us, because of what Jesus has done, we should all be at a place understanding like the significance of the blood of Jesus shed on the cross, all of us should be at a place, no matter how good or hard our life is, that if he never did anything else again for us, he's done enough. And so we should be able to navigate life from this place of of like, of like true authentic thankfulness and gratitude to Jesus for all that he has already done. Thanksgiving, the reason why it's important is because it's, it's one of the most powerful forms of spiritual warfare that exists. I want you to think about every sort of life-changing decision you have ever made or will make in the future. Let me just ask you like, like a question. Like, do you think, like, like huge decisions, big decisions you've got to make, either now or have made or will make or whatever, do you think that the enemy of your soul wants you to make good decisions in these areas or not? Do you think, do you think he, he wants you to like do well on these decisions so how do you combat that? How do you combat the warfare there, the the, the resistance from the enemy as you're trying to navigate? It, it's through Thanksgiving, which is which is one of the most powerful forms of spiritual warfare that exists. Like, like what I what I know in my life is is, and I have I I, I mean, again I'm just being like a little a little unfiltered, but I I have a bent towards kind of. Kind of, kind of pessimism sometimes. I have a, a more of a bent towards negativity. And so um, uh, what I've learned is like the opposite of being thankful is, is complaining. It's the opposite, right? So f- thankfulness, it's like climbing the stairs. It's like, it's, it hurts. Like um, I, I found out earlier this year that I have arthritis in my hips. I'm like, I hate climbing the stairs. Like uh, I, I, I've used it as an excuse to have my kids like go get me things though. I'm like, hey. <laughs> Hey, like, could you go get me some, yeah, anyway. Um, it's like climbing the stairs. Like, it's, it, it doesn't go fast. It's, it's painful, but complaining is like going down a water slide, right? It, it, it's like, it takes you there fast, like, into uh, a place you don't want to be. Um, yeah, climbing the stairs takes a while. Like, going down the slide, it happens pretty quick. And what I've learned is that complaining has often been the biggest threat to my peace, like, oh, man, this is hard. Oh, this isn't easy. Oh, this is terrible. Well, I mean, think about it. I mean, if you've, ever, if you've ever done that, like, it's the biggest threat to your peace because I'm, I'm focused on everything that's wrong instead of allowing myself to focus on everything that's right and has been right. The faithfulness of God His fingerprints on my story. The blood of Jesus that has purchased me from the kingdom of darkness and brought me into the kingdom of light. Like, I've just, I've just lost sight. And all I am is just focused on these other things. And it's the biggest threat to your peace when we allow ourselves to kind of get into that place of just, of just complaining and being, and being negative, and then, then Paul just simply says, you can come on up, says, um, he says that, uh, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it dwell in you, let it make its home in you. A dwelling, right? Think about, think about your life, think about your, your spirit, think about your soul as a dwelling place for the word of God. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Would you stand with me? hopefully something there helped. Would you just bow your heads for a second here? Man, I loved worship this morning. Something about just getting caught up in the presence of God and like nothing else matters, nothing else is important. And I've I've just been carrying some things some weighty things, some heavy things, and there's just something about the presence of God that like, I'm I'm caught up in him, my attention, my focus is fixed on him, and that's probably where some of us need to be here today. If If you're carrying something heavy today, trying to distinguish, you need some discernment, you need to discover the will of God, you need to know, you need God to speak. Could I just see your hand, you're carrying something. You need to know, God, what do I do? What do I do? I need some discernment, Spirit of God, would you fall in this room right now? I thank you that your will is not meant to be so mysterious and unknown. Thank you that Colossians tells us that we have the mind of Christ. Like we have the ability to, to actually uh, know your thoughts. Like that scripture says that, that who can know the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God and yet, yet we have the mind of Christ, like we know. We can, we can discern your will, we can understand your preference and so Lord I just pray uh, right now for just, just just clarity over every person who raised their hand right now the ability to know right now God, what you're doing, how you're leading, what the best path forward is. I pray you take out all all distraction. I pray you take out all discouragement, everything God that would want to come in and uh, and, and, and confuse, and cloud and muddy the waters. Lord, I pray clarity of mind right now. Clarity of mind right now. Spirit of God, would you move? Lord, I pray for a resistance in this room, uh, in, 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 our, in our propensity to just sort of just go uh, the, the, the way we want to. To, just, to, to, to just make decisions based on how it makes us feel. Lord, I pray for a resistance in this room to our flesh, to sort of our, our, our natural propensities. And I ask God right now that there would be men and women today who would rise up, who would stand up and would say like, I wanna know the will of God for my life. I wanna discern the, the will of God for my life because I'm, I'm gonna surrender it. And I'm, I'm gonna say, God, not my will, but your will. And so where there needs to be surrender in this room, God, I pray that it would happen in Jesus' name. Surrender in this room right now. God, not my will, not my will, God, your will be done. Your will be done. I'll stay where I'm at if that's where you want me to stay. I'll move to there if you want me to move, God. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll speak what you want me to say. So power of God, spirit of God in this place, confront us in our stuff. Confront us in our heart, God, the things that are are, are polluted, the things that shouldn't be there. And let us just come surrendered before you, God, where we we aren't trying to hold on to it anymore. We're not trying to hold on to the stuff. We're just just whatever you want, however you want to use me, do it, God. And I pray clarity of mind now, the ability to know the will of God, confidence to step forward in our decisions because we have stilled ourselves before you and we have found a peace that transcends understanding. We thank you, God, for your goodness in this place. And as a good father, I pray that you just put your arms around your kids and you'd speak over them words of peace. In Jesus' name, amen.